Coming to you from New York City. This week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. Mm, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, joined by Mike Coscarelli. Thanks for being here, Mike, and doing everything that you do. Uh, a lot of highs and lows this week, so I just want to thank... I want to thank the listeners so much, uh, you know, for... Uh, for listening to the programs, we had all four shows in the top charts on iTunes, which was uh, which was very, very nice because the business is brutal and these kind things that you get to see every now and again are really uplifting and stuff like that. Today's guest, Mateo Lane. Thanks so much for being here, Mateo. Hello. Hello. Might be a lot of that. I love it. Mateo Lane is on uh, MTV's Guy Code and Girl Code, and there's a new show, and it's called Joking Off. Man, yeah. I love it. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks dude. for having me. We met each other like what three years ago, two years ago, something two and a like half that. when I came to New York. And you got that opera voice, and you're you're a beautiful singer, and you blew everybody away, and the crowd was crying, and it was really amazing. <laughs> they love it. Let's not say things we can't take back. But I'm not gonna take it back. Uh, yeah, there was definitely singing. You're always singing. I'm always singing. That's great. When did you find out that you had an unbelievable knack for singing? I found out when I did not have a knack for singing when I was cast as a tree in my first production. <laughs> I was cast as a tree when I was seven years old, and that was the highlight of my acting career so far. A tr- well, I mean, well, how can you be cast as a tree? Well, just- they blow in the wind. Yeah, just kind of blow in the wind, and they uh, they make a, um, you know, kind of a paper tree and they cut a hole out for my face. They so it painted sounds my like you face. were molested. I was molested. Okay. Yes. Just yes, checking. Yeah, 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 of course. You know, but you would think if I was molested, I could sing a little bit better. But <laughs> Then yeah. I was molested a lot. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I started singing when I was 15. Which is good yeah. because you should be singing after men should be singing when their vocal cords have matured. In, in other words, when you've hit puberty. Yeah, when the you balls learn te- Yeah, you don't want to learn technique when your vocal cords are not elongated because then you can have a weird sound. You yeah. you approach it with the same. Look at like Michael Jackson as a right. kid was phenomenal, and then as an adult, no one really brings it up. But he was not a great singer. You don't think he was a great singer? No. Why? Because he as learned a kid, how to sing. Phenomenal. As an right. adult, not a good singer. Thin, weak voice, yeah. no good breath support, bad vibrato, a lot of shouting. Oh, my God. But he had uh, great music. So he he made the sound of his music go with the type of voice that he had. So right. we often don't think of him as being, like, a bad singer. But if you had him sing a Whitney Houston song, you'd be all of his faults would be revealed. Oh, interesting. But, you know, he's an amazing dancer. I was watching this movie, and it's called um, The Wiz. And uh, there's a scene where they're going. I love up, the, Wiz. the Wiz is phenomenal, and they're going up the yellow brick road. He's and on my, down, he's on down the road. That's exactly if how I you sing can't it. Have nothing, then. I love Diana Ross because she just looks like a rag doll. Like she's just exactly. like tossing her around the whole time. Michael, the, he, Michael is amazing. It's almost like if you ever look at those comic strips, Garfield minus Garfield, where it's just John and he looks really sad and lonely, and right. then there's no punchline. If you would get rid of Michael Jackson from the Wiz during that scene where they're walking up the yellow brick road and it was just Diana Ross, you would just think she was drunk on a subway platform. Well, she was barely moving it at all compared to what he was she doing. She kind of was drunk. Oh, okay. Um, Who was the singer? I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. She's one of my favorite singers. At the end, who's saying, if you believe in your heart, then you know. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, am I forgetting her name? She's phenomenal. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Don't worry about it. We're going to find it out. So you started singing, and you just, uh, was this in high school then and stuff like that, or was it uh, outside of high school? Uh, I was in high school. I started, I actually, thankfully, my choir teacher um, got me hooked up with a really good voice teacher uh, very, very quickly, was like, oh, okay, we should work on this voice, and 
Yeah, I trained for a long time. I think like eight years almost of training. Vocal technique and uh, breathing and all the embellishments and all that other boring stuff that comes with singing. I mean, it's a lot more work than people give it credit for. People that just think that you open your mouth and then out comes the amazing right. sounds of Mateo well, it's Lane. Like, it's like any... Well, I wish. I w- it's like anything, like drawing. Like I, right. So I illustrated for years i drew tv commercials but okay and yeah drawing is a very unique skill but i you have you have to start with some kind of base of talent mm-hmm. and then have someone chisel down you know to the good stuff you have uh, to work yeah. at it work at sing so singing is the same thing you i have to do voice i do i still do chromatic scales every day just to keep the voice mm-hmm. Uh, light and feathery. This is so boring for the comedians. It's who are not. Listening to it. No, it does, comedians don't listen to this. I'm also a comic. <laughs> it's it's like, fine. Like, no, no, don't worry about being boring. That's what this show is all mm. about. Second grade, Good News Fellowship Church. Speaking of drawing, <laughs> I was drawing a potato car. I drew a potato car on my desk, and it was with a pencil, and I loved it. It was a potato that I put wheels on, and they called it a potato car. I got suspended for a week. Mrs. Brill suspended me, the big Mrs. fat hog. Mrs. Brill sounds like a cunt. Mrs. Brill was a terrible woman. She broke her ankle. You know why? She was walking, and she was too fat to support her own weight. You know, she, I swear to God, this woman was 350 pounds, and she was married to a man named Mr. Brill. I don't know their first names because it was a good Christian school, and they were Mr. and Mrs. to me. Christians are the worst. Well, they're an interesting breed, and we'll talk about them. Um, but uh, she broke her ankle simply by walking. Mr. Brill, he was also a heavyset guy, probably uh, probably couldn't see his uh, his balls and hadn't seen his penis in in quite some time but it's all if there's a fat wife then you know the fat husband's coming around the corner i mean that you they're always in pairs you can't be fat alone you can't be fat alone because you have to do something together and if it it turns out to be eating then that is what it is yeah and it's normally fat people are into cheap food Oh yeah, of course. Like not that's how you good get fat. food. No, right. yeah. they get addicted to the uh, the high sugar listen, content. You know, don't. If you want health advice, listen to Ben Kissel. I don't have massive weight issues. I... I'm king, healthy. Mr. Brill, I was 17 years old, and I was in a uh, porn store in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, called El Dorado's. And I'll never forget, I was with my friend Matt, and we were looking at this torso. And it's one of these torsos that has the boobs and the vagina. And I guess, theoretically, you buy it, and you have sex with it, and I don't know what kind of fetish that would lead to. Um, I only like women without legs, arms, or heads. Well, it's very telling of men, isn't it, that that's all they need? Boobs and a vagina yeah. and, and fake, uh, probably some sort of like horse hair for uh, pubic What hair. is like the inside? Because I see those all the time, like at, at these porn stores. You got to like, squirt them man up or a- Man ass. Yeah. And I'm like, but what? That's just your typical, um, you know, the the gelatin that they use to recreate, uh, that they use in a lot of ballistic testing, for example, to figure out how much, uh, you know, but a, a, a weapon will. doesn't it be kind of warm uh, to be able to fuck it? Well, and you can't exactly put it in the microwave unless you have a very, very large one. I, I think you, you heat it up maybe with your body temperature or uh, maybe you put some warm cloths around Just it. Just get a hooker. Well, you know, this is easier. And I was looking over this torso with my friend Matt, and it was $150. And at this time, we said, oh, should we split it? And then we went through the, the logistics of that, and we decided not to do that. And as we were walking out, Mr. Brill, the husband of large Mrs. Brill, who broke her ankle simply by walking because she's morbidly obese, walked into El Dorado's, and at that moment, I knew religion was false. Wow. So where did you grow up? Chicago. And uh, was it uh, was it totally uh, acceptable for you to be a uh, flamboyant singer, or was it considered a little bit uh, odd? Um, I mean, I didn't come out until I was eighteen. My older well, brother. Well, you came out when you started singing at fifty. Yeah, although that's not fair to say because, um, you know, I'm Italian. 
Oh, right, right, Opera right. isn't so foreign to our people. That's true. My, A nostra gente. My middle brother, of course, both of my older brothers are gay, so when my middle brother came out, he never officially came out, but I always say he officially came out when he was 15 and went over to Italy to model. Did he really? Yeah. So your brother's hot. My middle brother is very, very Why attractive. haven't you hooked me up with him? Well, he's married. Yeah, he's well, married. Well, then I'd, I'd like you to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no purpose. I him. need to be hooked up so bad. Yeah. I haven't had sex since November. Oh my goodness! Well, lie, lie in your stomach. I'll call him over here. <laughs> um, he is—he's uh, married to a wonderful man named Don, who is the only uh, stabilizing figure in my entire family. So Got let's it. not break up the only relationship in my all family right, that right, I think fine. is mildly reasonable. Unless your brother's into gays that look like used tampons or <laughs> deli workers, because frankly, that's what I look like. I just like him to smell like me. Don't I look like a deli worker? Like, I with, don't think so. You look like a television deli worker, Mateo. Without this voice, it'd be like, my friend. I mean, you'd buy it. Yeah, I mean, I'd Ketchup, buy anything from a deli right? worker. I have that kind of wop face where it's like, you. I could work at a deli. Well, anyone can work at a deli. You just go and put in a job mm. application, and you have the job at the deli. No. You'd have to just sign your, name on a, eyes. sign your name on a piece of salami, give it to the deli clerk. He knows <laughs> you want to work there. The next day, you're working nine to whatever, probably midnight My or older brother's also gay. Is that right? So are you yeah. the youngest? or Yeah, I'm the youngest. My brother, sister, and I. I'm 28. My sister's okay. 29. My brother's 30. Okay. And then is your sister a lesbian or is no. she? No. Okay. And thank God. So my parents have a chance of getting grandkids. Well, you guys have a lot to talk about then. Uh, well, I'm not like talking to her about dick, but my cousin Brian is also gay, who's okay. my best friend. He lives in Brooklyn. Do you think your dad's gay? No, not at all. He's I think not. it's from my mom's family. Oh, okay, because there's a large theory in my family. My parents, of course, I grew up very evangelical. Anyway, long story short about my brother in Milan modeling, uh, he actually had to flee Italy because he made some bad deals with the mafia, and then he had to get out of there uh, very, very quickly, or he was going to be murdered. Um, I've but- been to Sicily like 10 times, and I've never made a deal with the mafia. And I, he I went to know. Milan, and he, he, he somehow got he was, in trouble with the mafia. The, oh, there's mafia up there. The one thing about Chris, we were not close growing up. We're 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 close now, I would say for sure. Um, but he was uh, he just led by example. So he would just say, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to Milan to model." And uh, and you know, it was difficult for me because my older brother also being gay, and he didn't come out until uh, until I was 21. And he came out in an email, um, and it just said, um, "I'm going to the gay 90s with my new boyfriend Dallas." And then we said, "Oh, I guess he's gay." I often find that with gay people, where they come out when they find their first boyfriend. They yeah. find some sort of security. I remember before I came out, I thought, well, if I just had a boyfriend, it would make everything so easy. And I think right. it's because you feel like there's this safety net of something that will understand you. Yeah. I'm, and I, I'm coming off so boring and preachy. You're not. Um, never worry about how you come off. You're coming off as amazing and wonderful, and everyone enjoys your words. Lies. Um, <laughs> I swear to God, everyone loves listening to this podcast. Uh, this is the best podcast around. In the world. Ooh. Um, so... Uh, that was how he did it. Yeah, Chris just active. He was just gay. There wasn't this large coming out ceremony. Uh, Eric came out in the email once you found Dallas, and you were saying that uh, you know having the boyfriend. I suppose that makes a lot of sense because then people can't be like, "Are you sure?" Because then you can just you know be like, "Yes, yeah. I'm sure." You know what this I is, hate is when is you tell someone you're gay and then they say to you, "Oh, well, we knew before you did." You want to say, fuck you. Right. You weren't with me when I was five years old trying on my mom's heels when no one was home. Get out of here. Right, you know, right, right. Get out you son of a bitch. Right? Am I wrong? Like, we knew before you did. Don't, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't come to me. Yeah. I hate that. People try to co-op the- uh, Are they trying to act like we don't care and we knew before you did? It's like, right. no, I've known my whole life. There's never a realization moment. It was just always known. 
Yeah. Always. Just like everyone knows that they're straight, you so just know you, that you're gay. Did you, um, I, did, I, always, I was always wondering if I was gay or straight because I grew up in a very interesting home and I'm still somewhere probably in the middle on the spectrum. God knows. Um, I'm really into uh, Subway sandwiches, whatever that means. Well. Um, always getting that six-incher. Uh, let's see. So uh, when you, so you, you were definitively gay at a very young age. You didn't feel straight at all. Did you ever try to like assimilate into like oh, straight yeah. culture? I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. I tried. Well, that's straight culture. That that you mean culture? Well, um, I, mean, I, I, don't know. I uh, yeah, I worked at Michael's and dated my girlfriend Francesca. Francesca and, and working at Michael's. This is the couple from uh, um, National Lampoon's Family Vacation or Christmas well, Vacation. Uh, Ellen, uh, not Ellen DeGeneres. You know the uh, the girl from Veep. Oh, Elaine. Elaine, Elaine. <laughs> yes, Elaine Bettis when she was married. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. Her, her uh, relationship with that man. I we broke up in the yarn section. You did well. She was cheating on me with her ex boyfriend, who was a Puerto Rican living in his mom's basement. But oh in, my God. in retrospect, I'm like, listen, Francesca, you're dating an obviously closeted homosexual or Puerto Rican living in his mom's basement. I think you're the fucking problem here. Right, not right, right, me. Right. Don't you know? But I did like call her. I was like, Francesca, to the yarn section. You know, like. This just isn't going to work out. <laughs> I'm, but it still said, can I help you craft on my apron? I mean, <laughs> how ridiculous, you know? Yeah, and then so I- So you broke up with her. Right. Right. And then I've dated. I had girls. I never had sex or anything. We just, I just would like make out and stuff. But then I went to art school when I was 18. I went to college and I went okay. to art school. And then, I mean, you- I mean, you just can't go to art school without letting the world know you're a faggot. So I mm. just- I did that. Is that how you identified on the uh, enrollment application? Yeah, I no, I just I well, I just give them a wink, yeah, uh, yeah, and they knew. Yeah, it was me and about like me, gay kids, rich kids doing coke, and a, ton, a shit ton of Koreans. That was art school. So, how did your parents react? Okay, going back to my parents, evangelical Christians, they became evangelical. My father's. Uh, I hate uh, in, in that agreement. type specifically that type of Christian. Oh, I'd mean, rather a Catholic. I'd uh, rather a Catholic. Yeah, Catholics have a little bit of fun. They have well, a little wine. Well, at least we, like, murder and swear and have fun. Exactly. You guys are all, like, Puritan up your fucking assholes, like, mega church. Like, like. also, my question is, why, well, is, that, a, yeah. why is that kind of Christian music? Does it have to be that boring? Does it have to it feel does. like a Precious Moments doll? I mean, what about, mm. why can't you have, you hear what music sounds like. Right. Why can't you just do that? Because that's secular music. You got to do the opposite. So fucking Ugh. Big theory. I'm a big Christopher Hitchens fan, by the way. Yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> um, poor Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe my father was probably a closeted homosexual. Do because, you? Yeah, because, I mean, that's why he became an evangelical, because then you shut that side right. of your mind off, and then you feel like you're better than, you're better than, but then you know, you the people who- But then you do crystal meth and fuck a hooker. I don't no, that's think what he's happened done... to that one mega. Tr- I'm not saying your dad he was. Did that. No, he was a truck driver, but I don't think he dabbled in oh, the truck meth. stops. That's where all the gay. You know, that's where like a lot of gay oh, hookup yeah. is going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And tapping underneath bathroom stalls. Mm-hmm. Gays are so gross. The, For as beautiful old... of things that we've created, yeah. we are disgusting. <laughs> it's like bathroom yeah. stalls, grinder, hiding, <laughs> jumping in bushes. It's like, guys, <laughs> come on. You've made the goddamn Sistine Chapel. We can step it up a bit. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Living like ninjas. Yeah. Just jumping all around in the Living shadows. Living like ninjas. More like uh, just uh, in ninjas in sundresses. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. Mm. By the way, I was in Chelsea. I can't stand how good. I don't like good looking people. Why? I was in Chelsea and everyone's got this 
great body and all this and all that. And I'm just thinking to myself, God, like, where are you all coming from? How do you have to? Because I have no time to go to the gym. Right. And so, of course, I neglect looking good. And mm-hmm. I just, I can't believe how good looking some of these men are. I get so insecure. But I'm never around gay people anymore because comedy is all straight people. And I'm never yeah. around... Well, if, people anymore. If you like people with bad bodies, you're in good company. Don't worry about it. You're safe here. There's <laughs> yeah, you no guys doubt look about good, that. But Mike the, looks good. I'm yeah. saying the gay thing. I sometimes even feel where like I don't like going to gay bars. I feel uncom- I feel most comfortable being with comedians. Right. I'm most happy with a group of comics. Uh, gay bars. What is it about them that you feel uncomfortable with? Everyone looks good, and there's always a Dominican in a jockstrap dancing on a table and eight drag queens, which is fun. Right. I love all of it, but it's it, it does intimidate me because like I feel like I always I never worry about what I look like until I'm around other gay men. Mm-hmm. Then I think, oh, do I not look like that? Oh, should my body be better? Oh, should I be dressing better? Oh, should I have my hair different? Oh, should I like I just have this huge complex. I'm very insecure. I have this huge right. complex. And then I'm around comedians and I feel like all that they care about is being funny and it's great. Right, right. That's all you care about is being funny. That's fantastic. And let's talk about bits and let's talk about being on the road and let's talk about shows and who right. sucks and wh- who we hate and who we love. And I mean, I love it. I love being around comedians. Right. I When I came to New York three years ago, I literally left my gay life. I had three of my best friends who I still love and adore in Chicago who are all gay. Yeah. I left that life. And why, what, uh, I mean, that must have been a, a scary thing to do when you leave. I mean, I'm a No, I was addicted to stand up. Okay. And coming to New York was so good for me because I could just do stand up, even though I wasn't on shows or anything. Mm-hmm. I could just do as many mics as I wanted to. I mean, now it's like, it's cha- weird how much has changed in three years, but. Three yeah. years ago, it was like I I was so addicted. I would work all day at my storyboarding job, and yeah. then I would get off at five, and then just do mics till eleven o'clock at night. Right, right, right. Every right. day for just months. And so now you have those people back home, and obviously your family back home. Um, do you see? I talk are to you my mom every MD, day. Are, at, at, at any point, are you upset that you moved to New York <gasps> City? Do never. you look back at them with a little bit of a... Uh, uh-uh, do, do you have a little bit of no. a complex never. about how uh, nope. you're superior to them now? No. I don't think I'm superior than anybody. I just right. feel so happy. I wake up and feel like I'm in the right place. In Chicago, I felt like I I, I was missing out on something. Right, right, right. It was right. just the feeling. I wasn't, I'm of course, no comedian's content with just simplicity, but I wasn't content with that life. I wasn't content right. with, we'll do brunch on Sundays, we'll go out on Fridays, this is the life. I couldn't handle it. And being in New York, I feel so at peace with myself. Right. I feel so at home. But you have to admit, I mean, Chicago, if you do have a complex against people with washboard abs, attractive muscles, and overall good facial features, Chicago is the place to be. You right. Know, Every other- I'm from Wisconsin. I mean, it's a it's a dumpling oh, part Wis- of the country. Wisconsin know. is. What part of Wisconsin? I grew up in a town called Stevens Point, and then I went to school at Milwaukee. I used to go to Eagle River all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. I, Wisconsin is interesting. I like Madison. Yeah, um, Madison is not well, bad. Um, I... No, uh, there's good-looking guys in Chicago. Mm-hmm. There just happens to be a lot more here. And in L.A., don't even get me started. I'm starting to go to L.A. a lot. Right. And they these it's like they come out of a factory. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. where are you 
coming from? How do you have this kind of hair? I, I, part of me just wants to become rich so I could just have someone buy me clothes and make my hair look good. Right, right. What did your dad do when you were growing up? He's a police officer. Oh, okay. And so was he uh, really, is he from uh, Italy or is he? No, my mom's Italian. Okay, so she's. Truth of the story is I'm technically Mexican as well. Oh, okay. My real grandfather, my grandparents, my real grandfather was a man named Joaquin Maldonado. Okay. My grandmother, uh, Jeanette Pomaro. I shouldn't say her name, but who cares? Joaquin Maldonado it's is a one very of my Mexican favorite names. names ever. And uh, he was a, a in a low-end guy in the mafia, and okay. he would like break legs if you owed money to somebody, but he had mm. a mistress, and he had three kids with the mistress, and then five with my grandmother, and named them all the same names so he wouldn't confuse them for the other. That's a brilliant way to do it. Very smart. So yeah. my grandma obviously divorced him when my mom was 12, uh. and then remarried a Sicilian. So by the time I grew up, I had only, like from my mother, and I grew up on the same block with all my cousins, all my grandparents, like we were just very Italian. And they were all named Matteo? <laughs> all named Matteo. Interesting. Um, yeah, very, um, we're all the same age. My mom is one out of seven, and all of her brothers and sisters decided to have kids all around the same time. Yeah. And my cousins to this day are my best friends. I would not be, I couldn't live without them. So you have a massive family. Massive family. And they're all, and you still, uh, I mean, I'm really jealous of this, you know, because I have my parents who I, you know, relatively disconnected with. They go to a Haitian church in Fort Lauderdale. We could talk about well, it. Well, my I've dad and I are having him. issues now, but I still talk to my mother every day. Um, what's the issues with your father? He separated from my mom a year ago, but that's not what bothered me, but what bothered right. me was the dramatic way that he did it and left her high and dry. And now they're trying to get back together and there's this whole issue of me not really buying into his cockamamie story that he gave me. So a cockamamie story. Yeah. So Uh-oh. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of working on building a relationship with my dad again. But it's so hard to rebuild the relationship with your dad. It's I mean I'm personally talking. It's very very difficult because it's you know you have so many hard feelings from the past. Although yeah. was that your case? I mean was well, it? Well, I did, did tell him. I said you know you did a good job. Raising, I mean, right. we, we hadn't spoken in like a year, and then I finally talked to him during Christmas. And I said, "You did a good job raising me. You, you, uh, never. I never felt like I couldn't be myself. And you, you, you never pressured me to do anything. Right. You allowed me to be expressive and be who I am. I just think that you know, there's, uh, there's. I just think he was. Uh, there's things he could have done that are. He could have done things that were better. Right. But at the same time, he's also a Vietnam vet, police he was, officer. He was 19. Watched all of his friends get shot. Right. So I don't know that kind of life. I don't understand what he's going through. And my mother's yeah. family, I mean, I grow he's like white American and my mother right. is like Italian. And when you grow up with an Italian mother, you are just I mean, really, it's like I don't even see my dad's family as family. My mom's family, that's family. I was right, right. sucked What's into the this. difference? What is it? Is it I'm just tell- the culture of love? Yes. Is it is it an yes. affection? Yes. Because I talk to my mom's parents, my grandparents. Probably three times a week. My grandpa and I are very close. We talk three times a week. It, I grew up with such a starch, uh, starch, um, a, such a juxtaposition between right. my dad's family with his parents, who I saw maybe five times. And my they whole were a little life. bit colder and just sort very of more cold. Like, exactly. Yeah. And my mother's family, who everything has to be on the table. We talk about everything. I get a lot of my honesty from my family because we always, you know, first of all, this is the kind of family I grew up in. If I didn't like what I was having at my mom's house for dinner, I go to my aunt Cindy's house and eat with them. Right. Right. That's right. the kind of family I grew up sure. in. Sure. And we just come from a very honest family who's funny. 
Right. Very witty, by the way. My family was I very, very, it. very witty. So this, yeah. I love, I think they're the funniest per- people in the world. Did I love like your, my family. Did you like your parents' relationship growing up? I always, I no. tried to get my mother to divorce my dad. I'll never forget it. Ever since I was about nine years old, I was like, let's just leave dad. Mm. So I was very close to my mother. And uh, my dad worked really hard. But overall, I thought he was kind of a tyrannical figure, sort of a Stalin type. Um, but did, I think you didn't like my, their relationship either? I like the relationship, but I think my mom gave up everything in her life to have a family. My mother right. is a is a phenomenal artist. Okay. That, so genetically it must come from my mom because she right. never taught me how to draw. I just sort of wanted to do it. Um she gave up drawing. She hasn't traveled. She has she right. had to pick up a job. I mean she nothing for herself. She's right. done nothing for herself. And she uh you know my dad got to do whatever he wanted. He would he flies planes so he would go flying whenever he wanted to, go right. hunting whenever he wanted to just sort of live this selfish life of doing whatever Steve wants to do. But then my mom, like the whole, her whole life was taking care of this family. So I feel like the relationship was good. I, yeah. On a lot of levels, but at the other time too, it's like my mom, I don't think she probably wouldn't agree with me, but was never encouraged to go off and do what she wanted. Not to only do. not encouraged, but literally it was impossible because the kids would, st- I mean, I guess you could have yeah, gone with relatives. Have... So she did have a little bit of a safety net with that. Yeah. And, yeah, I just feel like the, I feel like and she's excited for my life because I'm vicariously doing, living through. kind of. Yeah, yeah. she's ex- I, and I try to let her know everything that's going on. I just sold an animated show that I wrote. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm now pr- producing that with yeah. this huge company in L.A. And um, so she's excited about that. So I'm sending her all my drawings that yeah, I'm yeah, doing. Yeah. As I, so I, eventually I'll hopefully make enough money to send her off and we, her and I can go to Italy ourselves and I'll show her the fucking world. But right, right. I get mad at my dad for those reasons. But I, I'm, I'm too hard on him because I think he's had a very difficult life. And doesn't right. know how to express those feelings. Where I was given the opportunity to express my feelings. It is different for that generation of men. I mean, my father came coming from Germany. My his father, my grandfather, was extremely successful. He was a socialist leader. Germans uh, are cold. Cold, cold. So my dad, I suppose, was you know technically one of the more sensitive Germans around. Um, and there was that generation of men who just were um, never. They just had no idea how to not be. Yeah. Um, you know, emotionless drones who, yeah. you know, who sort of go through, um, you know, they, they have a very difficult time, you know, with their emotions. And then I think once uh, once the emotions come out, they come out in a burst of anger and yeah. rage, you know, and See, it's not my, easy. My dad's like that. He'll get angry zero to 60. Right. And you're like, where the hell did it come from? Right. And it's probably because you did something three months ago. Right. And then it all just sort of built from there. My grandfather, the Sicilian. Now, I think they listen to this life. Right, blind at the age of five, dirt poor, becomes a judge. Amazing. And he's so in tune with his emotions. And he talking to him, I I much more, as a man, like a sort of father figure, I could much more emotionally speak to my grandfather right. growing up about life and this and problems and than my, my dad. Well, you know, I feel that same way about my opa before he died, my grandfather in Germany. We used to go- Oma and opa, right? Oma and opa. Yeah, I, I, go- I can kind of speak German. No, oh, better than me. That's for damn sure. Oh. I can barely speak English. I took classes. Um, yeah, I tried to take classes, and then uh, the whole thing fell apart. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go see them in uh, Uruguay um, in oh, really? late May, which will be exciting. You do look- Northern European. Oh, okay. Thank you. Where I like, if you, I'm very interested in by this, by the yeah. way, I love face features and yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to figure out where these features all come from. Yeah. But like, yeah, you look more like Northern. Is like, that good? Next, I hope good thing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, my so. face, I look like a Greek. 
or like an Egyptian compared to you. That Egyptians are they built an entire they you know just in the they differences the in Egyptians. face you see my eyes. Well, yeah, and we his have different eyes. faces. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's inter- I don't know. It's interesting. Where's yeah. your your Sicilian? What are you in? Uh, yeah, Sicilian. Yeah, yeah. Mike's Mike's got, you got do a you know where in Sicily? Uh, I don't know. I know, but um, my dad's grandf- uh, my dad's dad is Sicilian, and my mom's father is Bares. So oh my God, you're Bares! Yeah, yeah. Those are interesting people. Yeah. But there is something about relating more to your grandfather than your father, and I think grandfathers relate more to their grandkids than their own kids because mm-hmm. there's a disconnect, right? I'm sure that my my dad hated his dad. And then my dad hated his dad to the point where he defected and came to America because mm-hmm. theoretically my uh, grandfather fought a war against this country. I don't know if I even spoke more than five words to my dad's dad. Okay. And I think my grandpa, he, but my, see, my, the other thing too with Italians, as wonderful as it sounds, right? My mom's family, there's so much up your fucking asshole. Right. You cannot take a shit without the whole fucking family knowing about it. And everyone's gossiping and everyone's talking and everyone, this, and also like how one word starts from somebody, two minutes later, 50 other members in the family know. And then my grandpa's calling me. Now the story is like, it's telephone. It's completely changed. Right. Well, what is this? I hear you about doing this and that. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, that's not happening. And who told you that? And why are you doing that? And, you know, and then there's the guilt trips. And then there's, I mean, there's, right. there is, trust me, as wonderful it is, as it is, there's also the pressure and the, you know, this, your, where's your place in the family? We, you move as a system and everyone does this and you're, we're a group and you listen, you better, you either come with us or you're against us. And right. there's this mentality of like, oh. It's so dramatic. Part of me is a little happy that I'm in New York, that I'm like, I get right. to just be away from the drama. I don't was, was to be there in the drama. A, uh, Was there a lot of um, pressure to have you stay in Chicago? No, but I'll never forget. And I could think I could cry thinking about it now. I'm so close to my Aunt Cindy. Yeah. Um, she is like another mother to me. And I'll never forget. No, like Because when I got the job, I was 30 days and I had to go to New York. And what was this job? Storyboarding. Okay. And I called my aunt Cindy and I talked, you know, talked to her all the time. And so I called my uncle Mike. I'm like, hi, uh, hello, Mateo. And <laughs> my uncle Mike, by the way, who's crazy. And I mean, he, we'll get to him in a minute, but yeah, he, yeah. this is the kind of crazy person he is. He washes his driveway, puts a fan on it, and then stares at it for hours. Yeah. <laughs> and when he sneezes, he literally goes, Hachoo, and a couple of laditas. So he's out of his mind. Um, so I call him, and uh, sounds like a sounds sounds like an animated creature that lives is. under the sea. He's absolutely, and he yeah. the family does. He cannot make one mistake without the family pointing it out and screaming at him. Okay. It's actually my favorite thing to watch him and my aunt Cindy yell at each other because I've never laughed that hard in my entire life. Yeah, but I call him. I said, Uncle Mike, uh, I gotta tell you something. I got a job in New York, and he's like, Well, it's very good, Mateo. Uh, I'll let you speak to my wife and your aunt. He never says, yeah. If he talks to his kids, your mother, my wife. He never says. <laughs> he goes through the who titles. It is. Yeah, he's yeah. so dramatic. So my aunt Cindy picks up. She's like, "We have a weird like, hey, we do that in our family. I don't know why." And I was like, "Hey, I was like, I'm moving to New York in 30 days." And then we just both started bawling. I could cry thinking about it yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Bawling. And do you? Uh, do you still have what was the difference between telling your aunt as opposed to your mother was my mother i know wants me to my mom knows my mom knows it's the right thing and i have been talking to her about it for months and i have a way of talking to my mom to make everything sound okay so you know what i mean i'm a little tough where i'll be like ma i gotta do this i gotta go da 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 this and that 
my aunt Cindy, it's like that that responsibility is off of her. Where you know, it's it, that's on my mom to to worry about all of my problems. You know, right. So right, when right. my when I call my aunt Cindy, she just wants us to always be because every Sunday and Wednesday we go to her house for pasta. She makes red sauce at eight o'clock in the morning. Cooks all day, and we all Jesus. sit at the family. We yeah, yeah, eat, yeah. and then the best part about it is that after we eat, we all sit at the table for hours, just talking and laughing and sharing. I mean, right. it's just wonderful memories. Were you? Did you steal the stage as a kid at the ten, at the table, or was everybody loud? Yes and no, but every the thing is like my aunts are so funny, yeah, and the people in my family are so funny that when you speak up at the table, you either. Better be funny, right? Or don't speak at all, right? Right. Because right. you know, and I think I learned my comedic timing as a kid because I would listen to the stories and listen to where I could jump in and be funny. And I always did do impressions, so the family loved to have me go. You know, Mateo, go do an impression, go do this, go do that. Right. So right. yeah, in a way, I was crazy. But thinking about it now, I'm like, my family's still like, you know, there's a sense of timing that I just grew up with because watching my aunts and watching my uncles and my grandparents, like the way they laugh at each other and the way that they talk. A lot of the times what I do on stage is is li- the the mannerisms in which I speak is the exact same as my Aunt Cindy. Right, 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 right. So what point did you think that you could do it? Like, what at what point did you realize it was possible to like monetize being an artist or, you know, that you could actually go on stage and people would... Um, give you enough respect and listen to you, and you're the only one. Um, well, did, it, did it come from fighting for stage time at the table? Kind of, but I think it also came from, um, I don't know. You know, the first it, bug, I guess you could say, because I always wanted to be a singer, right? to be a comedian. I always loved comedy. My first CD was Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. And, uh, was which, that the fish one? Or didn't she have something with the name of a fish in it? No, something? she was in a bowl of soup. Oh, like okay. Maybe that's... soup or okay, something. Yeah. Uh, I still think Ellen's one of the best comics She's amazing. Ever. Yes. Ever. Uh, especially her 80s material. I mean, she's phenomenal. Yeah. And also her Here and Now special that came out like 10 years ago mm-hmm. was very popular. I remember watching with my friends, but it, and I not, not to sound like a stereotypical gay, but I'll explain in a second who gave me the fucking bug was Joan Rivers. Okay. And I had never seen her before. And Kathy Griffin at the time was very popular when yes. I was in college. And so I was, I was watching a lot of Kathy Griffin specials while drawing up, up late at night, finished all of hers. And I saw one that was Joan Rivers on bravo and i was like okay i'll watch that and i'm telling you for that whole hour the pencil was down Mm. and i was absolutely blown away and i say it because i think now i love bill burr and bill hicks and george carlin right right right. now i get comedy but before as a gay guy i don't know what it is but i wasn't i couldn't i couldn't relate to those guys joan rivers allowed showed me a path to see comedy mm-hmm. in a way that was very tangible for me and very understanding for me. It, she made it, it was like she walked me through how to appreciate comedy. Right. I know it's stereotypical, but really she means so much to the gay community. Right. Watching her is, is so, you, I just feel like she fucking gets it. I and just, not just, just the gay community. It. I mean, any community, anybody who feels like an outsider, and certainly she was the personification of an outsider. Sure. By definition, she was sure. kicked off of NBC sure. um, for as and, long and as Johnny Carson was this, alive. And, yeah. Right. And, um, yeah, I became obsessed. I have that special right. memorized. I have it memorized. And then I was like, I want to do comedy. And just so happens my friend Anais 
was dating a comedian, Marty DeRosa, and in Chicago, mm-hmm. and he was a comic. And I just said to him one day, I was like, I want to try comedy. And he goes, Okay, I run a show. You can come do three minutes. Yeah. So I didn't even do a mic first. I went to this show. Right. It was I'm talking like a shit show. Yeah. yeah. And my whole fa- twenty five members of my family came. Of course they did. To That's watch so me great. Do, you know, including my grandparents and everything, to watch me do three minutes. How'd it go? Terrible. Yeah. You know, what, what, what do I, I know what I'm talking about? I was just trying to do Kathy Griffin's bits. Right, 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 right. Um, and then uh, I didn't do it for like a year. And then I, I were you crushed by the? Uh, but I, I mean, I'll never forget. No, no, I just I bombed I, so hard in front of my parents and my girlfriend at the time. I bought a suit and I was so excited. I was emceeing oh, my first nice. night at a comedy club, and uh, oh my god, it was it buying was, a suit. Oh, it was terrible. I, I was it. like, I want to be a suit comic. Um, suit. Comic. And then, uh, oh my god, I, I still I wasn't able to look at my parents for about four years. I just think I did it once and thought, oh, that was I did it. I didn't understand yeah. the world of mics and shows, and ne- I didn't know that that world existed. And then right. a year later, I had got asked to do a gay show, and I was like, okay. And so it was at um, Zanies. It was like mm-hmm. a gay Zanies show. One it's- of the three that are in Chicago. Right. There's so many Zanies in Chicago. Well, there's Rosemont and then the original downtown. Okay. Um, and so I, for that month, I was like, I, I guess I'll go to open mics because my friend was like, you should go to open mics to prepare because I didn't have a set or anything. Right. And I was going to do 10 minutes. And that month, that was that was uh, three and a half years ago. So I started three and a half years ago. Right. And I just became addicted. And yeah. in a month was going to mics every night. And a comic named Ray Holub in Chicago taught me that, well, you have to go to this many mics and you have to write this kind of new material gave me a sort of system to work from and then all of a sudden eight months in I was at a comedy club called the Comedy Bar in Chicago Mm -hmm. and I had been doing well I was getting booked on shows and so I just became and that's in my nature I when I like something I become obsessed with it and basically unfortunately I have to say dropped all my friends dropped my life dropped everything became a totally addicted comedian and then moved to New York. So I came to New York with just eight months of comedy under right. my belt. And, you know, there are differences in addictions, right? It certainly is an addiction. There's no doubt about that. I was watching my, uh, I was watching um, Intervention. And uh, I'll tell you, those addictions, similar side effects, but uh, <laughs> different, uh, different different realities. Outcomes, yeah. Different realities, yeah. Uh, definitely different outcomes, usually involve curtains being closed on a beautiful sunny day, a couch that has cigarette butts burnt. Oh, that's uh, every comedy you know, cigarette club. Burns. Yeah, exactly. But there's, there's <laughs> no, no stage and yeah. no, no audience. Right. Which is really the major difference. I feel like all comedy is forged at the dining room table. This is why I like to do um, interviews and I love radio and obviously I love doing stand-up and stuff like that too. But my job as a kid with the uh, gay brothers and then my mother just started doing foster care when I was 11. So it was just a bunch of kids who were molested. Uh, all over. It was molested Honestly, kids. yeah. And uh, my brothers and then my, my parents. So my job at the dining room table was to solely keep it not violent. Mm-hmm. Was to just try to avoid violence at all costs, and that's sort of where uh, my comedy came from. And trying to trying to build bridges between unbelievably different worlds, crazy um, amounts of different people. Mm-hmm. When you started doing uh, stand up, was there any family members who were just like, "I should do it. I want to do the no, stand up." No. Also, they knew that you were the they only one I, that could e- do it. Exactly. I do. There is something in my family which is unfortunate. I have. A, I have a very very witty family. Right. But there is something in my family where they latch on to security and stability. All the men right. are seemingly cops and all the girls are in the school system. And I don't know if that's an Italian thing, but like keep the family, keep the security, make sure my my 
Mike, I, Mike's family is also very uh, police uh, officer heavy. Right? Yeah, fair. There's a lot of NYPD. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, my cousin Brian and I really were the first ones to leave that system. Right. And, and what did what Brian want. do? He's in menswear. Okay. He, he lives in New York and he's a pattern maker for a menswear company. He's nice. in fashion. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah. Him and I, by the way, are best friends. I would not, I couldn't have made it through life without him. We talk every day, all day. Yeah. Best friends. We are like just absolutely soulmates. You're going to make it. You're going to be very, very successful. You've been doing it for three and a half years and you're head and shoulders above a lot of people who have been doing it for 25. What would be the one thing that you would want to give once you do get that money? Because it's, it's out there and you're going to get it if you haven't had it already. Um, what would be one thing that you would want to do for your family or your mother or your, your aunt, um, Cindy? Um, what would be the thing that you want to give them? Because the idea of having money to me, it's, I don't know what to, I don't need anything. Yeah, I'm like, fine, fine with I like have a no... Papa John's pizza and a, and a well, you know, a six disgusting. pack. Leave Papa John's alone. No, well, you're off the show, Mateo. No, no, no. Leave you're Papa, disgusting. edit that out. Papa, you are disgusting. Uh, have you had you the butter in, sauce? You are in New York City. You uh, should no. be ashamed of yourself. I'm not going to get shamed of my you? own show, Mateo, because Papa's Papa, in the house. Papa, first of all, in the commercials on Papa John's, Papa's in the house. When he's holding the pizza, it's like he's <laughs> never held one in his entire life. Papa don't hold he the looks pizza. So foreign, well, like holding that pizza. There's I don't a great know. place called Ribalta on 12th Street and Broadway. Okay, and it's Napolitan. Well, it pizza. doesn't sound Italian to me. It is so. phenomenal. We'll go there, and I will well, show you fucking I've, pizza. I have had other pizza. Trust me, I've had all the pizza, and I'm just saying what Papa's in the house. <laughs> Young son Ben feels right at home. Love it, and they come with the maraschino peppers. You tell me a you tell me a traditional it's Italian place disgusting. that gives you maraschino peppers and butter sauce, oh, butter just sauce. to rub all over your body. Does that even mean? Wait, what were you asking before? Gifts that you would want to. What do you want to oh, give? Well, now I have no fantasies of buying a penthouse and having right. a car and all that stuff. I think it's ridiculous, and really, all I want is just better stages and more stage time. That's right. all I want. Um, I would. Maybe an upgrade on the airlines, first class or something. I would, uh, I would buy my mom an art studio, yeah, and take her to Italy, and I would, um, I, my aunt Cindy, I would get her private voice lessons. She's always wanted to sing, okay, and I think she's just too shy to do it. So I would get her a piano and private voice lessons, and have them come over a week and let her every week and. Have her sing and stuff. I want my. I think she would like that. My grandparents. I. I don't even know. I don't even know what I could give my grandpa. Maybe Netflix. I feel like Netflix would blow their mind. I. They have. I get so mad at them because they. Really, they should be. They should have the internet. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't even know what I could give them. It would be something great. Yeah. yeah. I love my family so much. Just talking about them, I feel like I could cry. Yeah. I couldn't even think about it. my sister I want to give stuff. You know, I just want to I would want it to be to people well, who that's, really Well, that's the motivation, right? There's a there's a misconception, I think. Well, I mean, everybody's a little bit different. There are certainly some people who want to hoard their money and they want the money for themselves. But I think most of the people that I know, especially comedians Mike uh, Coscarelli is pointing to himself cuz he's a schmuck. Um I would get stuff for myself. Of course you I get would, some things I for would yourself. Buy a painting studio in Italy. And live there for three months out of the year. My dream is to just when I I never want to stop doing stand up, but I Mm. do just want to paint portraits all day, right? Cook wonderful meals and then just stand up at night, right? That's the that's the perfect dream life. Yeah, it's not a bad one. 
That's for that is. Notice how men haven't come into play. I don't like know how to date men. I don't know how to be. I don't uh, know how to do that. We can talk about dating. I can't. We, we don't have to talk about it. Dating. I'll is, talk to you about painting, drawing, no, Italy, opera. Talk, what do you I want to am, talk about? I am so. I am single handedly the worst uh, dater on the face of the planet. You couldn't I be so, any worse than me. I promise you that I can be. I have never had a. Uh, I've never had a relationship. You are nine feet tall. Seven, six foot seven. So yeah. women have to be flocking towards you because all they're thinking well, is tall protects me, big dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is true. And I get a lot of, I do, I mean, a lot of, I, I, it's not for lack of female attention. Um, that's for sure. It is for um, lack of ability of how to deal with female attention. And because uh, I was a fat kid, you know, I lost 160 pounds. I didn't know you were a fat kid. Oh, yeah. I'm, as a matter of fact, I, um, I'm, I'm, Beginning to work on a diet. I want to get that body contour surgery because I lost 160 pounds. Do you pounds. have like hanging skin? It's called a penis. A P-A-N-I-S. It's a penis, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, so I have, a, I have a bunch of loose skin. I lost the weight about well, going on 12 years did ago Did you get now. a surgery to lose it? No, I didn't get any surgery. I just did a bunch of cocaine and I stopped eating and I became a vegetarian for two years. Oh, that's and a great that sur- That's better than, cheaper than surgery. It's a hell of a lot cheaper than surgery. And I think the surgery, it's really sort of one of those things that people do as a um i've never done cocaine it's an, oh you have to try it no, sometime no, no, but don't no. even bother half of it's cut with baby laxatives there's no reason <laughs> have, have a have a monster energy drink at this point is cocaine that, is no longer a, a the, the like highest that, stimulant like out there feeling i don't like that feeling well i'm a bit of an adhd guy so for me it actually doesn't I mean, it's not changing much. I don't exactly. I'm not sure if I'm actually telling the truth or not because I'm sure if I had a friend in here who's done cocaine with me before, he'd be like, "You're a maniac." Yeah, but in my right. head, I'm just yeah. like, "I'm acting you're totally crazy. normal." Yeah, I'm in traffic. Yeah, this is where I always walk. I always walk in traffic. I'm sure I'm a lunatic on coke like everybody else. Um, should I've never done Molly. I've oh, you done guys try, try a little no, Molly. Try much, some mushrooms. No, 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 no. I drink every every once in a while. I drink. Protecting um, the voice. Not so much protecting the voice because every once in a while I have a cigarette. Oh, okay. Um, but I do have to stop because I don't know how long my like r- my range will last. So no alcohol, no drugs at all. No, no, no. I drink. Like I drank last night, but I, d- I just don't drink a lot. Maybe, maybe. Once a week. That's good. Maybe that's that's rare. Well, I just don't. Okay. I, I have. I don't like the feeling of being hungover the next morning, and I have I too much it. to do. Okay, I started drinking at twelve years old. I had these uh, a lot of issues. Yeah, going back to the weight thing, being a fat kid, it's very difficult getting female attention. Uh, now, I mean, it started in like my mid twenties, um, and I still just have no idea how to how to. Have do you ever it. had a girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. For how long? About two and a half years was my so longest relationship. So you know how to have a relationship. Yes. Not saying it was healthy, but I'm saying you understand was, the dynamic of a relationship. Yes, I understand that. Um, but, you know, it's uh, there's just too much work to be done, and it's very, very difficult. You know, this profession, it requires a certain amount of um, I have no not, time. Uh, of selfishness. Yeah, and, there, it, it, now, it, is, and I it is very difficult. And here's the thing. I, right now, am incredibly selfish in a... In a, in a Positive way. In a productive yeah, exactly. way. Um, but I, I've i spent all week drawing 10 hours a day for my this animated show that I'm working on. Right. Because I have to get all the concept work. Right. I'm doing shows at night. Right. I'm writing. I'm filming Girl Code. I'm starting to travel to do shows. Right. Uh, I have a lot going on. And there's only so much time I have that I can do this to set myself up for a better career. In the future. If, if I yeah. don't work my fucking ass off now right then i will regret it when i'm 
however many years old thinking, what is it doing? Sleeping around with guys and getting drunk? Right. Well, I have all the time in the world to do that. So why I okay? So maybe for a few years I'm exhausted right. and I don't look my best. Uh, but that's fine. I'm right. very, very set on working as hard as I possibly can. How did you avoid that from the Midwestern culture? You know, because um, I started, like I said earlier, started Drugs, drinking you mean? very, very young. Alcohol. No, Alcohol I, is all over the place in the Midwest. Yeah, it is. I did not drink. I no, I know. But how did you avoid? I just had a different- Two of my very good friends both died of a heroin overdose when I was 19. Okay. And I think- And they, uh, that, well, that's a hell of a wake-up call, huh? It, yeah, and not, I mean, heroin, that's, I mean, that's what a ridiculous, the heroin and pot and all that, I mean, it's, heroin's its own thing, but right. it was a sort of sense of, um, uh, you know, like, I, I have, like, I, I, I just have other things to worry about. And right, I don't right. I have the time to do this to myself. And I think it was a wake up call. And right. also being the kind of I, I, being an artist and trying to get a job as an artist is like needle in a hit. It's impossible. So hard. So I've been in this work ethic since 18 years old to, you know, when I go to art school, I was the same in art school where I because right. I was a terrible student in high school. But in art school, I was a great student because I actually cared about it. There's so many kids out there who are just painting bullshit, painting this. My thought was when I leave college, how do I keep this going? How right. do I fucking keep this going? So I would paint in the studios till 2 o'clock in the morning, come home, sleep, wake up at 6, and go back and do the same thing the next day until right. I achieved the necessary – until I left that school and thought I've done everything that I could. I've ga- gained everything I can, drained the school all of its juices that I could. Um, so I've just been then trying to get a job. You have to hustle, 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 hustle. So the same thing is with comedy. I knew I didn't want to draw for the rest of my life, and a window started to open, right. and I just – fucking hustled right. till I got to that level and now I'm at this level and there's this new opportunity so I just keep going so I'm but I'm like that I'm a workhorse right. I don't like downtime I'm not comfortable with downtime I'm not comfortable sitting and doing nothing watching Netflix I it just I can't do it I cannot right. do it. And so if I drink, I know I'll feel bad the next day and I won't be as sharp as I normally would be. Right, right, and right. And so there goes me writing. There goes me drawing. There goes me. Uh, my day's gone. Right. So I just have to, like, get back into, you know, like today, last night. I, and then there's a downside of it, too. Where I'm like, oh, I'm not living. Right. I'm not right, living right. a life. Uh, you know, so I think last night I went home with this guy. Which I never do. Right. But we've been talking for weeks, and he's nice, he's sweet. We didn't sleep with each other, you know. Um, but then already today, I wake up like I could have woken up at nine, gotten coffee, and drawn, and then came to this. Right. And I didn't. So now I'm like mad at myself for that. Right. But right, I have right. this. I don't know where this drive comes from, but it's unhealthy to, at this point. Yeah. But it, I do have this drive of like I can't sit still, and I don't want to really waste my time. So everyone is it a fear of going back? Yeah, the fear. I had a job once as an artist. I had my own apartment. I lost the job because it was a bad company. Lost all my money. Had to move back home. Right, and that scared me so much, losing my independence. That I just from then on, I became this crazy workhorse. I think. Do you think the cliche holds true of the people that stay in their small towns just tend to turn into every single person that you would mock as you grew up in those small towns? Every thirty-year-old at the bar. I was. um, I don't know. Were you bullied in high school? Yeah. Okay. I was. I was. I was. I had this strange balance of being huge and 
also bullied. I'll never forget, I had to do this thing called the dime drill one time where you have to push a dime around a toilet bowl with your nose. And there was like 30 people that made me do a very, very, very brutal thing. And sure enough, every single person that was, uh, you know, in that bathroom at that time watching me be victimized, uh, you know, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And dimes are small and have a large nose. It wasn't easy, that's for sure. It's a skill. I should probably you go have on a Ameri- large nose. I have, Ameri- have I should go on America's Got Talent for it. Uh, yeah, Howard Stern would love me. I love Howard Stern. Um, big Howard Stern fan. Uh, do you feel like the cliche holds true that everybody that stayed, or the majority of people that stayed in the small uh, enclave that you grew up in, sort of became janitors? That, I just think that, um, you know, being someone who's different, innately being gay there's already my path is set differently and so as a young kid i knew that i wasn't gonna be able to get married and have kids some people are content with a wonderful life and they just want a steady job and they want someone they love and they want a nice home and they want kids and that's wonderful. That is a, that is a wonderful way. Is it possible to, to be really content though? I think what you. I mean, your strategy. But I'm not content now. Now, no, I know you're not content now. So you can be content when you're 45 and 50. I won't be content till the day I die. I'm a perfectionist. That's right. 45. I'll probably yeah. die at 45. You're dead at 45. I'm I just called healthy. it. I feel like no. I some people I think you know you're a fucking loser. Stop right. drinking. Get it together. You know. Right. Right. Um, right. I you know it's so funny when I was in L. A. One of my friends I went to. Um, Long story short, one of my friends is a producer for a TV show out there, and we saw each other, and we hadn't seen each other since high school, and we had that sort of cliche conversation of, what do you think of everybody back home? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And I was just sort of like, I don't even think about it. Everyone who called me faggot or made fun of me, right. I don't really think about it. I just think that I'm just happy that I can now be myself. I know this right. sounds funny, but it's for me to say out loud that I love Barbara Streisand and not care what someone thinks about it. I know that sounds funny and it should be laughed at, rightfully so. But I wasn't able to say that for a long time. And I right, should right, be right. able to say that and not be called faggot. Right, Although right, if right. anyone said that now, I'd be like, faggot. Um, right, but right. I should be able to say that. And for me, I think I'm most happy. And also, kids are kids, and kids don't understand things, and I get it. I'm of just most happy that I can say something like that and not feel ashamed by it. Right. I, I know that sounds silly. No, it doesn't. That's but perfect. It's true. And you know, for the listeners out there, no matter what it is, uh, weight issues, uh, you know, gender issues, um, orientation problems, race problems, whatever it is, uh, you know, it's it's all about um, staying driven. And uh, inevitably, you're going to get so much success that you won't even have the time to feel angry. No, at these I, don't, I don't know if success you. is the right word. I think every everyone has something in them that uh, no one else. I know that sounds like very, uh, you know, like after school kids club, like you are special. But right. there is something that makes you you. And you just just find a passion and be happy about it. It doesn't. Well, that's have, success. It, it, Right. It doesn't have to be yeah. money. It doesn't have to be this. It doesn't have to be TV. I gather that me being on television right now makes it look weird for me to like. Like I have a friend, John, right now in Chicago who's having a lot of issues. I, I keep telling him, you need to go find a fucking hobby. You like photography. Why aren't you taking pictures? Why aren't you doing it? You know? Right. Um, it's amazing to me how much we forget as comedians. But how hard was it to go to that first open mic? Yeah. Talk, it's impossible. 
I don't know if I would have it's the strength insane. now to do it. They talk about a glass ceiling for women in politics and a lot of business. There's just a there's a glass uh, wall up for between being an audience member and being on stage. It is, You're right there. You're an inch away from yep. it. But but it's a it is a it, it is, is a, a it is a Grand Canyon is, amount of distance, absolutely. which is so bizarre. And I and I think that applies to everyone. People are afraid to to go after what right. they like. And, and why? Because of failure. Right. People are afraid that they're going to fail. But this, after a yeah. while, you realize that failure makes you great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget my favorite painting teacher, and this applies to everything in life, where I always tell people this, where we everyone in painting class was always trying to make every fucking painting this gorgeous masterpiece. And he was like, none of this is the fucking masterpiece. This is the work towards the masterpiece. Right, right, right. So if you think of stand-up that way, Every set, every mic, every writing that piece of writing that you're doing, none of this is going to be perfect. It's not right. the masterpiece. It's and, and this is all a work towards it. So as long as you get a little something right. out of this, the next one will be better, hopefully. Right. Uh, but I do think that that rule applies for everything. I think people are afraid to do what they like. People are afraid to admit that they like something different than other people. That's right. the first thing. And then the other part of it is that they have to, to do it. Right. That's terrifying. Right. We're in a very lucky position, all of us, that we mm-hmm. can say, at least if this doesn't work out, I did it. We're, do- we're doing it. We're doing it. You know, a lot of people drink, and then, of course, you always hear that 40-year-old guy at the bar, I could have, I would have, I should have, whatever. Right. I, or I'm going to. Right. You know, they're just I, too busy slamming down I shots. I used to do da 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 got it. I did a talent shot when I was 17. I could have yeah. been Bill Burr. Yeah. It's like, no. And you know. you know what? We could have all said the same thing. Right. I mean, I could have. I almost didn't go to college, didn't draw, didn't do any of it. Right. You know? it's, I mean, these decisions are made very, very quickly. Very quickly. And it is important to listen to people around you. Right. I think people, you really have to keep your ears open because yeah. you have to listen. There are certain people who really will guide you in the right direction. Very, very few people in very small situations that can change your whole life. Right, 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 right. So, Thank you so much for being here, Mateo. That's oh, a, thanks uh, for having me. Awesome. And uh, so check out Guy Code. When's that going to be airing? Guy Code already aired. Okay, that's done. So Girl Code's Joking Off is on right now. Okay, MTV Joking too. Off. MTV. Girl Code on MTV airs in, uh, I think, June? Okay, nice. May awesome. or something? They haven't even announced me as a new cast member yet. So... Well, they will, and it's going to be. Hopefully, I don't get in trouble from saying it here. It's going to be a big announcement. No, um, no all one right, gives ever, a shit. No, <laughs> they do. No they do one care. Cares. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out the other podcasts. Abe Lincoln's top at the Round Table of Gentlemen. Last podcast on the left over on Cave Comedy. Follow me Radio. on Twitter, Matteo Lane, M A T T E O L A N E. And of course, follow Mike Coscarelli on Twitter as well. And I am at Ben Kissel. And uh, check out Mike Coscarelli's podcast, Social Villains. You'll enjoy that. Uh, All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.